Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janet Christofero and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Ducky. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dear Dougie podcast, and it is produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children in Portland, Oregon, and I am Brendan Connolly. And I'm Jana DeCristofero. Thank you for joining us. After over 30 years of listening to the stories of grieving children, teens, and adults who come through our program, we wanted to find a way to share what we've learned with from them with the larger community. And this podcast is a way to open up a conversation about grief, one that's often avoided, even though it's something we all eventually experience, the death of someone we love, but we often don't know what to do, how to feel, or what to say when it does happen. So whether you're grieving a loss or wanting to support someone in your life who is, we're here to help answer your questions. Yeah, and today we have, uh, we're kind of aggregating a few similar questions from the community, and uh, it's really the the bigger topic, I guess, is kind of where did everybody go and uh, the, the feelings of loss you experience beyond the actual death that occurred. It's kind of secondary losses that come with grief. And the, the questions we heard are, you know, why is it so common for communication to, to lessen with your family and your, and your close friends um, or strengthen after a mutual loss? And, and why is it easier to connect with strangers and, and one question in particular, in, in the, the, uh, the listener asks, in my family, we don't talk about the person. And how do I know if I can bring it up? And how do I bring it up? What do you think, Jana? Yeah. All questions that we hear so often, and I'm really grateful um, for people sending those in so we can talk about it. Because oftentimes when we think someone dies, there's the, the loss of the person, the loss of our relationship. And then over time, as I'm listening to people, I hear so much about the other losses, the unexpected ones. Sometimes it's about a loss of a connection with themselves and knowing themselves, which I think is a great topic for another podcast. And then today really focusing on, you know, the community and our family and our relationships and how those change and, and grow and sometimes fade away. So we've got, got a couple of different things happening. We've got how does grief affect our closest relationships, those with our family and our friends, mm-hmm. but also with our distant family members. And then we've got why some people might feel more comfortable talking about their grief with people they don't really know or aren't part of their day-to-day life. Um, And then often that silence that can occur in families, um, how to bring up the person who died, how to bring up how people are feeling, and then um, how to talk about to bring up or not to bring up. That's got to be probably exacerbated a little bit with uh, generational issues too, right? In terms of like how people were raised yeah, uh, I think to about, talk right. about I think the about my grandparents and you know the greatest generation and uh, you know they're overall seem like a pretty stoic generation and they just kind of bear it you know and don't don't talk a lot about stuff and just things happen and you you deal you build a bridge and you get over it right right and that's such a great um a great way to look at how 
whatever the context is in society currently will then affect how people are processing and experiencing and talking about or not talking about their loss. Mm -hmm. So then you can run into a conflict of a grandparent and a grandchild having very different ways of grieving basically because we all grieve so differently anyways, but then you've got that overarching cultural context of how people were raised and that can really lead to some uh, miscommunication among people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we start with kind of what happens with friends and, and inside of immediate and close families. Right. Yeah, no, it's a great place to start. And from what we hear is knowing that when we've experienced a death that some people will know how to show up and be able to show up and some people won't know but they'll show up anyways and then there's others who might fade away and what i've heard over the years is the people who show up sometimes are the ones people were less least likely to expect and the ones they most expected to show up were the ones that faded away Uh, so that can lead to a lot of confusion like my best friend you know my mom died my best friend who i went to every day for something suddenly stopped contacting me and then my distant cousin who i never had a relationship with now is emailing me all the time and we have a great relationship so there's these opportunities for new connections but then there can be the grief around really close connections maybe um dissipating over time this is super interesting Do you, and you know the fact that you've heard it a lot is uh i guess instructive but I don't understand that entirely. I mean, is it, it we, that surely that can't be attributed entirely to just individual circumstances, like everybody's best friend stops talking to them for their own personal individual reason, right? Isn't there, is there something you can learn from the, the phenomenon as a whole? Like a general concept underneath yeah, it? Like what's, are people scared, you know, or what, mm, what is mm-hmm. it? Well, I mean, I, I think I'd start with saying like not everyone's best friend is going to disappear. Yeah, um, but for when that is happening, my, my sense of it, when the cl- the people you're closest to, when you have a harder time connecting with them, there can be a couple of things going on. One, you have such a close emotional connection that sometimes if you're going through a hard time, say you're grieving and you reach out to your close friend who cares so much about you it might be really hard for them to stay present with you when you're talking about such a difficult thing because they want you to be okay when you meet a new acquaintance or a stranger who doesn't have that same investment in your relationship they may have a little bit more um, emotional space to give you to have a hard time so that's an interesting contradiction that's really Uh, interesting it's almost like the love gets in the way Exactly. For some people that way. Um, And then for other people, you know, within a friendship, maybe the person who dies was the connector. Mm -hmm. So I know in my own group of friends this summer, we had a very close person die and they're realizing who I was connected to because of that person. And once that person died, we didn't have the same, uh, we didn't really have as much in common as we thought because the thing we had in common is no longer here. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. All right. So that can be part of it. The other thing I think about is that, you know, we think about right when somebody dies, there's like a flood of support and offers for help and cards and emails and flowers and food showing Mm -hmm. up. All this stuff is happening right at the beginning, which is very helpful. And oftentimes the person who's grieving and it's a complete daze, right? So they sort of remember people calling and then some weeks go by, a month goes by and they sort of come to from that daze. And that's oftentimes right when the support starts to fade away. Um, and so if you're out there and you're listening and you're someone who wants to know how to support someone who's grieving, put something in your calendar for like a month later, two months later, 
to then show up. That's because really the person- helpful. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about, uh, you know, I know you can't say specifically a, a date, a, a time frame that works for everybody, but I've got grieving friends right now, and and that occurs to me. You know, I we've we've stepped up and helped out a little bit in the in the immediate term, in the near term. But I wonder about that. Some of it is step away for a bit because we're not family and let them, you know, kind of huddle and and take care of themselves. But then when when do you get back in touch? I know it's hard to put it in the in the calendar, but I would say about a month is a great time to check back in again. Um, Maybe check in once a week, maybe check in every two weeks. Uh, and then planning further down the the road of making note of when the anniversary is of when the person died or the six month anniversary. Those are great times to to do a specific check in about that with somebody. And this may be another episode altogether, actually, about what to say when you check in. Uh, we did have we did have an episode recently about what alternatives to saying I'm sorry for your loss. But when you're calling your friend or family and checking in. What I I imagine some folks might find it stilted and awkward at first, and not know what to say. Mm-hmm. Right. So looking for a little bit more of a script for yeah. how do I check in, yeah. and a lot of that, you know, you're going to want to go back to what's your relationship with that person yeah. and what's the context of your connection, and and making a lot of space for people to respond and not to respond. So, you know, if you are checking in with people, you may preempt your check-in with, hey, I'm going to text you every couple days and it's totally okay if you don't respond, but I'm just going to keep texting. And if at a point you want me to stop texting, please feel free to say that. So then the person has so much freedom of, a lot of people say there were so many calls and so many texts and sometimes I don't know what to say, so I just don't respond. But I like waking up and seeing you know, people reaching out to me. I have done that in the past, at least with the text, and, you know, said, super sad for you. Uh, I just want you to know we heard and no need to respond. We'll catch you later, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can give people a lot of um, freedom to know that they're they're supported, but they, there's no requirement to respond or to make you feel better too, right? So right. we're trying to give a lot of space for that. Yeah, we did talk about that, that sense of having to console the person who didn't experience the loss, having the griever having to console someone else, or at least feeling that way, um, depending on what's being said. Mm-hmm. Two other things I want to mention about this of like, you know, why does the communication get stronger or does it dissipate over time is to keep in mind, because everyone grieves differently, some people are really private about their grief and some people are going to be big talkers about their grief. And so you kind of have to sort that out, that some people are going to do their processing and their integrating more silently. And maybe what they really want is just a chance to go out and do something and not have to talk about their grief too. So you can ask people questions like that. Would it be helpful to just go out and see a movie or... Go for a hike or something. Yeah, Yeah. what's feeling good. And you can talk about it, but if you don't want to, that's okay. There's no pressure to talk about this with me. Yeah, that's a great idea. And let them lead it. Let them take the lead, yeah. The other thing that comes to mind is, particularly within families, and I hear this a lot with kids and teens and young adults, is how the family reconfigures after the person dies and so much of that hinges on what was the role the person who died played in the family a lot of times we hear is you know the person my mom who died she was the son and we were all the planets just revolving around her and now that she's not here we're we don't know what to do where's our where's our kind of gravitational pull Mm. you know was it grandma who always hosted the family and holiday events and now that grandma's died 
the families scrambling to figure out who's going to host what. Yeah. So there's a lot of things around that that can be helpful to to talk openly about. Like, hey, I'm realizing that, you know, mom was always the one that got the birthday cards and remembered everybody's graduation dates. Like, how do we want to split that up as a family? Man, that's super interesting. I would not have thought of that. And I would have, I think I probably would have just, I'd just fall into new normal, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> happens is what happens. And I wouldn't have considered explicitly talking about those things that that person brought to the table and what you know what the, what they did for the family and how are we going to fill the hole and should we and when and all that right and even if we don't get to a place of making a solid plan like you take thanksgiving and i'll take you know whatever holiday it is yeah. um sometimes just acknowledging that to say hey you know like your mom was the one who really kept us in communication right so say there's another parent and a couple of siblings and everybody talked mom and mom relayed all the information right. to everybody else and like whoa we've never actually had a conversation one-on-one -on, -one on the phone before this is weird yeah. <laughs> and then you go from there and yeah. recognizing there can be that additional sadness of i don't really know my dad one-on-one yeah. -on -one. we had to figure that out yeah and then that leads us to the place of sometimes the communication and the connection gets even stronger after somebody dies and there's a lot of opportunities to connect with people in your friendship circle and with your family that maybe you haven't before uh now that there's this opening to do that mm -hmm. man that's a lot to think about <laughs> <laughs> so that on top of just missing the person who died there's all these other layers going on yeah man that's um that's a lot to think about. All right. So maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, what's the deal with being more comfortable talking with strangers. Yeah, that and that came up. That's really that's an interesting phenomenon. And I, I guess I guess I can uh, sort of understand that. And especially the, when you framed earlier the idea that you know the just the the deep care and love and concern for the person sort of gets in the way because you know you can't make them feel better. And what do you do if you can't make him feel better? What what is your role, right? Mm -hmm. And and a stranger doesn't have that burden, and so it's maybe an easy, easier in some ways for a stranger to um, provide some I don't know perspective or cons I don't know if consolation is even the right word. Well, there might just be this. Um reassurance of being able to speak so openly about your grief with someone who uh, didn't know the person who died, yeah. doesn't know your family, doesn't have an investment in how things go from here. And so maybe you can share with a stranger or the people in a grief support group or friends who aren't connected to your particular circle, things that you don't feel comfortable saying to other people. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm actually kind of mad at this. I wish, I wish my family had given me more information. Uh, maybe you're not in a place where you want to share that with your family, but when you can talk to someone else, there's some opening for yourself there to be like, yeah, that's true. I guess I am kind of mad about that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's probably, you know, that makes me think of the long time, almost like an onion of the layers of an onion in a relationship. And you know, I know my mom and dad and I have long histories and, and we just have these little triggers that, you know, we can we can say to each other and it's not helpful always. And, and there's not that with a stranger, right? 
Exactly, right. And if you've ever noticed, like if you're trying to talk to your family or to your kids or someone you're really close with, there's there can almost be this electrical charge yeah. where you thought it was something pretty neutral to say, but you try to say it to someone <laughs> you're close to and suddenly you're like, I can't speak, I'm totally overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah. And that can sometimes... Um, you can get a break from that talking with strangers. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, you know, with kids and teens, that comes up so much. I ask them like, you know, how do you guys talk about this in your family? And they're like, mm, we don't, we want, we don't want to see mom get upset. And that's not to say that mom is supposed to hide her feelings from her kids, but just to have some understanding of that might be why kids and teens aren't bringing it up as much at home because they, it feels uncomfortable. Is that an element of the success behind Dougie-centered groups. I know that I know that a big portion is just the normalization and being in a room full of people with a similar experience. But is there also a sense of this this uh, stranger? I don't. What, what do we call it? But the, the sense of the stranger that uh, has no has no no immediate connection to your particular loss. Definitely, right? So teens can come and they share with people they're not going to see in their day-to-day life. Right. So they don't have to worry about their friends suddenly posting it somewhere on social media or yeah. any of those things happening. And and parents and adults can come and talk about their fears and their concerns that maybe they don't want to share with their kids. Uh, so it gives them both elements, uh, both parties some space to talk more about what's going on for them and the part that always cracks me up in group is when we meet with the kids and the kids are talking talking dad did this and mom loved to do this and I wonder about this and then we meet up later with the volunteers who have been with the adults Uh and the adults say I'm so concerned you know Johnny never says anything about his dad and I'm like really because Johnny talked for a good 20 minutes (laughs) about his dad in group yeah so you know for for adults to know that their kids may be talking about the person, but just not with them. Yeah, right, right. And I guess, I guess there's probably some degree of as a. I know in my family that it, you know, the kids rely on the adults to be adults and to provide stability and to be the stiff upper lip and all that kind of thing. And it can be hard to see dad cry, or it can be hard to see mom kind of lose it for a minute you know um so so i wonder if if that that sort of dynamic makes it difficult for kids to bring stuff up if they know that it's gonna it's gonna rock the boat a little bit mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's it's just interesting catch 22 and i think there's there's things that adults can definitely do in that moment and the catch 22 is kids who say you know i don't see anybody being upset about dad dying so maybe i'm the only one who cares And then the other side, like, you know, I brought it up and then my brother and my sister started crying and it was super uncomfortable. (laughs) So so it's confusing. The teens are like, we want to know that people care as much as we do, but then we're super uncomfortable when we see some visible representation of that. So I think there's some of that element of like, that that discomfort's just going to happen. But with adults, you know, what they can say to kids is, you know, I'm crying because I really miss your brother right now, but it's okay. You know, I'm still going to be able to make dinner and I'm still going to take you to school in the morning. And it's not your fault that I'm crying because you brought up your brother. And it's okay. I just cry sometimes and that's just what happens. Yep. Yep. Hey, I'm keeping an eye on the time here, and let's talk a little bit about why the why families kind of just clam up. Why they might go radio silent yeah. about the death and yeah. that that question. 
So I think part of what we just talked about, you know, of um, people feeling uncomfortable, not knowing what to say, maybe not wanting to bring it up because, you know, somebody doesn't look sad and then maybe I'll make them sad if I bring it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to remind people that, that if you're thinking about the person who died and somebody was really close to that person, they're probably already thinking about them. Yep. So it's not like you're going to remind them of something they've forgotten about. And most people say they really appreciate when people ask about the person who died, share the name of the person who died, tell, tell stories, uh, memories, things like that. So just kind of keeping that in the background is a, is a good guideline. Um, and again, you know, oftentimes I'll hear in my teen group kids saying, gosh, I really wish people in my family would bring up my brother when we have family events. And then I hear from the adults, we really wish the kids would bring up, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're wait- everyone's <laughs> waiting on everybody else's yep. lead. Um, so say you're getting ready to go to a family event and you're kind of feeling anxious. Are we going to talk about the person or not? Some people will preemptively send an email or call people mm. and ask them, what they're thinking. Sometimes they'll come to the conversation already with an idea. Like I'd really love if we could set a place setting for uncle Jim, because you know, I'm just going to really miss him this year. And he's always sat to my right. Could we set a place setting for him? How do people feel about that? Or would people feel comfortable going around and sharing a favorite memory they had of him before we eat dinner? Um, Or even how about everybody brings a picture that they loved? And we can make a picture story together. And that way we'll get to collectively remember him. So there's a lot of different things people can do. Yeah, those are great ideas. So, so again, there's no, you're saying that there's no real wrong or right way for people to go through this. And if it's more comfortable to talk to strangers, that's okay. And um, think of, think of, not necessarily unusual, but but maybe think of ways that you can open up lines of communication with your own family, even if that means sending an email. Seems awfully businesslike, but it seems also pretty efficient and a good way to start the conversation. Um, yeah, there's there's different ways to think about doing that, and um, you know, one final story is just from a, a teen yeah. and her mom who um, they were having a hard time talking in person. It was the dad who died, and so what they decided to do was to get a special journal. And they would each write in the journal and pass it back and forth to one another, sharing memories and thoughts and feelings about their dad. And they had a guideline that they would never talk about it in person unless there was like a safety concern. If mom was worried about the teen. And that way the teen could share openly and mom could share openly. And then they could have breakfast and not talk about it. So good. So good. Well, listeners, there's been a lot of tips. We've kind of cranked through a lot of good information here. Uh, as we pick Janice's brain about this stuff. We're going to put these things in the show notes. So you can visit Dougie.org slash podcast and look for episode number five. And you'll see the show notes and a quick summary of what we talked about today. Thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to um, sharing more with you in the future. And if you have questions you'd like to ask us, please feel free to send them our way at help at Dougie.org. And then just put podcast somewhere in the subject line so we know to look out for it. Thanks for talking, Jenna. Thanks, Brennan. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.